Hello comrades and welcome to the debut episode of Spectre, a Scottish-based communist podcast standing in complete and solidified solidarity with the working class of all nations. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by none other than Johnny Hunter, General Secretary of the Young Communist League of Britain. It's a pleasure to have you, Johnny. Hi, Nathan. How are you on, comrade? Very well. Uh, just to get started then, Johnny, just a wee uh, introduction from yourself, you know, uh, a bit of information, who you're affiliated with, what you do and whatnot, just something for our listeners. Yeah, uh, so as, as you said, um, Johnny Hunter, I live up in Glasgow. Um, as you say, I'm very privileged to serve as the General Secretary of the Young Communist League. Uh, also sit on the Communist Party's National Executive Committee. Uh, and I'm also a Unison shop steward, and I do a lot of campaigning around peace and international solidarity issues also. In other words, you're very, very, very busy. Too many hats, <laughs> um, I think, is a, a consistent theme, you know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, as you just mentioned, you're uh, the General Secretary of the Young Communist League. Uh, who are the YCL and sort of what is the work that uh, you do as an organisation? Yeah, well, it's uh, you know a big, uh, big question. Obviously, um, a question that I get asked a lot. So I should probably have a more um, succinct, um, off the cuff, seeming answer um, than I do. Um, but um, I'll, I'll try, try and uh, go through it um, as as best and as quickly as I can. Uh, so obviously, the Young Communist League, we are the youth wing um, of the Communist Party. Uh, I suppose, in short, you know, we exist uh, because we understand as communists that. Capitalism's a decaying, uh, an inhumane system, um, but also that the transition to socialism, uh, the next stage in human development, is something that's essential. And with the, the unfolding climate crisis, it's something that's increasingly urgent for humanity and for the planet. Uh, for uh, communists, um, we clearly see that there's a need for um, a communist party to play a role, to play a vanguard role in that transition to socialism, and we think that the party uh, in history, we would say, has shown us that the party requires a youth wing. Uh, so, you know, uh, young people um, don't form, you know, a, a separate class in, in Marxist terms, but uh, what we've seen is that uh, young workers and students in revolutionary struggles, both here in Britain, uh, but across, across the entire world and throughout history, have always played a decisive an energetic role in that struggle for socialism. So our purpose here in Britain, as we would see it, is to, to fight for peace and for democracy and for socialism, for socialism in our lifetimes, and in that process to build mass support for the Communist Party and its programme among young people in Britain. Um, again, I told you it was going to be a long answer, um, but <laughs> going there, uh, you know, on a higher level, I suppose, you know, Lenin said, and this is a quote that gets uh, used a lot uh, by young communists, not just here in Britain, but across the world. You know, Lenin said that the task of young people and young communist leagues uh, is to learn communism. And, you know, by that, he didn't mean, you know, sterile study um, or, you know, reading books on your lonesome. Uh, don't get me wrong, there is a fair bit of reading involved. But uh, what Lenin meant by that and what we mean by that um, is in the process of educating, training one another, uh, organising with each other, uniting with each other and other young people and fighting for those progressive causes, we learn communism and we learn uh, how to advance that struggle for socialism and communism. So 
I suppose uh, summing up, you know, I would say what we do um, as young communists and what we're trying to do as the young communist league um, is, is threefold. Um, on the one hand, you know, we're working to build, as I said, mass support for, for communism in general and the communist party. Um, among young people and also educate our own members and other young people about Marxism-Leninism, what, what communism is. Uh, we're also working uh, in a broad and a non-sectarian way um, as part of the Labour and the progressive movement. And that's really important. You know, communists aren't um, some small insular clique. Um, we're working as part of that broad Labour and progressive movement um, all across Britain. Um, and as part of our work in that, you know, we're wanting to strengthen that movement uh, organisationally, uh, but also politically in terms of its outlook and in terms of what it's trying to achieve. And in doing both those things through that, that work of educating each other um, and other young people through that work of working as part of the broad movement, what we're trying to do is, you know, train uh, through that work in that study, the next generation of Communist Party cadres uh, and in doing so, building that broad movement and the struggle for socialism in Britain as a whole. So it goes without saying, um, I think, I suppose, just just um, to, you'll be glad to know to conclude on this point, <laughs> that uh, all of our members, you know, we, we would say are required to be active and to play their part internally um, as part of the democratic life of the organisation, but also externally as part of that broad movement. So, you know, you, you'll see why sellers involved um, in 101 and a growing number of um, different kinds of activity from, you know, community propaganda and public meetings, community solidarity, you know, supporting food banks and homeless organisations, education and study, you know, campaigning for the Communist Party um, and elections. And as I said, you know, that, that work in the broad movement. So trade unions on campuses and the student movement, tenants, organisations, peace and international solidarity. So I appreciate that was a very long answer, but um, I suppose that from my perspective would hammer home the point that um, that's who we are as a YCL and what we do is uh, quite a lot. <laughs> no, that's a, a perfect answer, comrade. Uh, a lot to dissect through uh, in there. Probably the most important part, as you, you mentioned, uh, that infamous quote by Lenin. You know, I think that's probably the most important thing for any young communist, mm. both here in Britain and indeed across the globe, is to, to be active within your community. Learning isn't just about reading your books as you say it's about how you can implement that uh, in your communities and uh, in any way shape or form uh, an issue that we have certainly you know in our time and our sort of generation of youth too many people are caught up in that online leftism where yeah, they know their stuff they they're very well read up but they don't get that out to the working class that are out in the street that, that don't bother with social media they're not bothered with being caught up in feuds between social media personalities because at the end of the day these these things don't matter these people are concerned about paying their bills uh, especially now during a cost of living crisis so what's important is is like you say it's getting people out there in the street and getting this knowledge transcribed into action into praxis and get it out there with that yeah. as well with a with a young communist league you know you you use a building building people as well it's it's not just being caught in the same tedious tasks perhaps it's not just uh stagnation in the work mm -hmm. itself like you're saying you're you're building within communities you're not just repeating the same actions and uh hoping for a different outcome within that that building within that constant development within uh various activities homeless care package work food banks uh, and everything else there 
it's all about how you can build from it. And with that, as, as a young communist, you then learn to build yourself as an individual, <laughs> as a leader in, in what you can do. So I think that's probably the, the, one of the most important things for, for any young communist organisation across the globe is to, to get there and be active. It's not enough to, you know, as you say, just read this, how you implement that as well, which I suppose kind of gets us on to our next question when it comes to actually getting yourself involved. It's how did you first get involved in the, the YCL and what's, what sort of led you to this decision? Well, um, I bossed to say that I'd have to cast my mind back um, a wee bit. Now I'm um, getting to the stage where I'm one of the uh, one of the older young communists, but um, you know I'll hang on to that um, that mantle um, of uh, YCLR um, as long as I can. Uh, you know, I, I joined back when um, I was uh, 16, um, so still in high school, so um, a good uh, a good well back now. Um, again, this is probably another one that um, I've, been, I've been asked a few times um, over my uh, over my time in the YCL, uh, and it's probably another one where I wish I had a better uh, a better story um, or an anecdote. Um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people, um, typically people um, out with you know the, the the communist movement, would say, "Oh, you know, your your mum or dad, I suppose they were a communist, and that's why." You know, you get involved. Um, what wasn't the case for for me? You know, I don't come from uh, a a party family. Um, you know, pretty um, I suppose simple. Um, you know, background for me. Um, you know, I think I think when I was as I say, fifteen, sixteen. Um, always quite interested in history, and you know, I, th- I think I was. Um, you know, one one thing that you know kind of confused me I suppose when you're you know you're going through high school you're getting the history of the second world war and there's a really big effort um you know we, we've seen it you know then you know when I was um 16 but it's certainly something that I think it's intensified um you know in, in the present uh present day as you know this big effort to conflate you know Nazi fascism uh, with Soviet socialism um you know that, that comes under the, the the blanket term you know totalitarianism um, so you know, I I don't recall having any um, you know particular um, strong view at the time, but I think I was confused in that you know if we're told consistently you know the Soviet Union was you know such an evil country, um, just as bad as if not worse than uh, Nazi Germany, you know I, you know I was confused. Why would mm. these people, um, you know, Soviet citizens, Soviet soldiers in the Second World War, you know, why would they bother to sacrifice themselves? and their millions to defend, you know, a system that was evil uh, and oppressive uh, and that, you know, was only maintained through, you know, uh, iron discipline and attacks on uh, human rights uh, and all the rest that we're told. Um, So, you know, I did some reading um, on that basis and, you know, I obviously came to the realisation that, you know, the Soviet Union wasn't um, that sort of um, hellscape that is depicted uh, in the mass media. Um, and, and the education curriculum uh, in this country and that, you know, the Soviet Union was a system that could only have ever achieved, you know, that defeat in Nazi fascism, but also the stunning gains for working people um, that could only ever have achieved all of that with the support and the mass support um, and, you know, the superhuman effort of working people um, in, in the, the countries of the Soviet Union. So, you know, from there, um, I thought, well, you know, maybe um, read a bit of Lenin, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, and I've, I've never looked back um, and, uh, you know, ultimately applied to join uh, the YCL and the party. And I, th- I think what happened thereafter is um, you realise, uh, as you touched on there, you know, that Britain's communists have a really 
crowd in distinct history. There's been um, changing fortunes in terms of, uh, you know, the, the communist movement in this country. Um, but, you know, it's a, a history that stretches back over more than a century um, with some, you know, stunning achievements um, and, you know, a really proud legacy of fighting for working people in this country. Um, and I think for our generation, you know, that, that struggle, as I said, takes on... Um, an urgency that we've probably never seen before because, you know, we really are um, racing against the clock, I suppose, to save the planet and save humanity um, from capitalism. And, uh, you know, needless to say, um, I think it's the, the best decision I've ever made. You know, uh, you know, I'm proud of the work that the YCL do. I've had the opportunity to meet, uh, you know, comrades and other communists from from every continent and the planet. And, uh, you know, it's been a real source of uh, hope uh, and inspiration in my own life. That's a, a great answer, Comrade. Again, a lot to unpack there, sort of similar to, to my experience as well. You know, it's, uh, it all starts sort of in school, I think, for, for most people as well. And like you, like you said there about the sort of historical revisionism of the the Soviet Union and it's it's acting the Second World War, which isn't uh, any surprise given the state's involvement within our public education systems. But certainly for me, in my experience, uh, came from a obviously working class family and very much sort of tribal voters, whether it uh, be on my mother's side as Labour and or or my father's side as SNP. And <laughs> you know, when you're a young person, perhaps you might fall into the trap and uh, side. Uh, with either your parents and stick to that uh, because mm-hmm. it's all you know. But as I sort of got older and sort of sort of looked around and, and and seen the conditions around me, especially here in Scotland with the SNP, where they peddle themselves as being these progressive champions and changing the very livelihood of Scots within this country. But mm-hmm. anything that I've seen with the SNP being in power, it's never improved. It's always scapegoated on uh, Westminster, which yeah. Can one hundred percent argue? There's there's certainly involvements within within there, uh, and their continued work to create class divisions across Britain. But certainly with the SNP and the, the work that they fail to do was certainly an eye opener to me. And I suppose that's when I started having second thoughts, both about independence and everything else in between. And that sort of led me to expand my knowledge. Like you said, started reading more. Fortunately, with us being the well maybe unfortunately with us being the social media generation, uh, started following lots of accounts online, stumbled across the Young Commerce League and saw the, sort of the, the difference in work and uh, just how active they were. And they're always there, they always seem to be there at a picket line or a protest and anything, anywhere else in between, standing side by side with people, not off to the side, you know, peddling merchandise and whatnot. They were always at the forefront, being the very vanguard of, a youth movement, which was very inspiring. And, and that led to me joining uh, last year during the Palestine demonstrations. And like you said, you know, it's been the best decision made. I've, I've never once looked back and uh, <laughs> it's been one of those fantastic moments. Like you say, you, make, you meet so many people from across the globe, so many dedicated communists from, from England, from Wales and everywhere else in between. It's, it's been one of those fantastic things. And I guess that sort of leads us on to probably the the biggest question that folk are still on the fence uh, have when it comes to joining a sort of a young communist organisation is that, you know, what makes the YCL different from other sort of like political organisations, you know, what's the ideology and the work that uh, you use within your system? Yeah, yeah, I am. Um... I mean, I think that's a, a, an excellent question. I'm very glad to hear as well. I'll note that um, you're, you're not um, uh, regretting your choices. Um, always a good thing. <laughs> I'm into um, deep now. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. We've got you. You've signed in the dotted line. You, you know, I, I think um, obviously a lot to unpack there um, in terms of you know what what we would say um, makes us different different from you know other um, political youth organisations. Um, you know, obviously the um, as you'll be aware, um, I think anyone even a brief time in the left, you know, there's a, a proliferation um, of different groups um, claiming different things. Um, and you know, I, I would all, I would always say at the outset for, for a, a question like this, you know, we're not a sectarian organisation. We, we are really clear that uh, what Britain's broad labour movement, the labour and progressive movement, what it deeply needs is unity and unity around you know revolutionary socialism. But at the same time, you know, we are clear that the the Communist Party and the Young Communist League um, do play and and have to play uh, a unique and a historic role. Um, in the struggle for socialism um, here in Britain and, and, you know, across the world, and, and that's for uh, a number of reasons. Britain's communists, um, we would say, have consistently punched above our weight um, in terms of our contribution to that movement, you know, providing that movement with uh, an ideological and a strategic underpinning, but also, you know, the contribution of individual communists and, and the collective um, strength of the party um, and different struggles that have taken place over the last hundred years, um, those struggles in defence of working class communities and working people, um, and that struggle for, for peace and against imperialism as well. Um, and I think if you look internationally, uh, you know, one thing I think that, you know, was certainly, you know, very powerful for me is that, uh, you know, over the, the past uh, more than a hundred years now, um, since the the, the uh, Russian Revolution, uh, you know, it's only been communist parties that have ever, you know, successfully challenged imperialism and taken power uh, into the hands of working people uh, and, you know, set on that um, historic and that difficult task of building socialism. And, you know, that's a journey that, um, but, you know, these countries um, are, are still on today and that, you know, uh, most countries and nations of the world still need to uh, go down. So I, I think, you know, if I had to kind of summarise what, um, you know, makes the, the YCL different from other youth organisations in Britain, I suppose, in the first place, you know, we're, we're Marxist-Leninists. Uh, we would say that's scientific socialism. Uh, so we're, we're part of that ideological tradition that unites communists um, all across the planet building in the works of Marx, Engels and Lenin, eh, but also the experience of communist parties and socialist countries since the Great October Socialist Revolution. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we say, you know, the Soviet Union um, is a blueprint or China is a blueprint for socialism here once we've achieved working class state power. But it's saying that that uh, theory, that rich and developed theory is something that we creatively apply here. You know, those ideas and those strategies we creatively apply them to Britain's circumstances uh, and, you know, that that's summed up in our programme, uh, Britain's Road Socialism. Uh, Organisationally, you know, as a Marxist-Leninist organisation, we uh, are, are uh, organised according to the principle of democratic centralism. So that means that, you know, we have the fullest democratic debate internally um, on questions of policy or strategy and you know we, we give all comrades at all levels of the organisation as full an opportunity to contribute to that debate as, as meaningful as possible but once we reach a, a decision democratically that's something that each and every member and every part of the organisation unites around and, and carries forward in our work and you know I, I, th I think when we, we, we see with the levels of infighting um, across the left in Britain, you know, unity is 
you know, the most powerful tool that working people have. And if you can't embody that in your own organisation, you know, you're, you're, I think, um, set up to fail um, against, you know, the, the, the weight that the, the British state and the, the ruling class can throw at you. So, you know, we're proud of the, that um, approach of democratic centrism. Again, that's something that characterises all communist movements. Um, and like all communist movements, as I said, we're part of the mass movement um, in our own country. So we're non-sectarian. Um, for us, it's about building up the mass organisations of working people, trade unions, progressive organisations to carry forward that broader struggle, um, you know, the struggle for immediate aims but also that struggle for socialism. And as I said, you know, we're internationalists. So for us, it's not about having tunnel vision about what's occurring in Britain. We do have links with parties and movements on every continent. That informs our own analysis of the struggle here in Britain, but also that informs our struggle against British imperialism. And for Britain's communists, the struggle to defeat the imperialism of our own ruling class. Of course, it's like, you know, British imperialism is a horrific legacy across the entire planet. For us, that's one of our foremost duties. And, you know, we're also uh, socialists. Uh, that goes without saying. There's a lot of people that would say that they're, they're socialists in Britain, of course, that might have a different conception of what that means. But, you know, we are, as I said, scientific socialists, but we're also revolutionary socialists. We think that uh, capitalism can't be mended. You know, something that's got to be ended. It's a system that is uh, inhumane, uh, decrepit, and it's not only holding back humanity, placing, you know, immense swathes of humanity and grinding poverty and in destitution. It's also something that's threatening to destroy the planet and destroy its ability to sustain human life uh, within our lifetimes. Uh, so, you know, I don't think, you know, from my perspective, and, you know, there, there's certainly no sectarianism or no arrogance in, in saying this, but I don't think there's another organisation that uh, offers the opportunity to young people to train themselves as, as communists or, or, or offers the same opportunity to throw themselves into that struggle for peace, democracy and socialism in the same way that the YCL does. So, you know, I would say that maybe the difference uh, in a phrase would be, you know, we're, we're serious about socialism and we want uh, young people that are serious about socialism to be members of the Young Communist League. Well, it's a, it's a great answer there, comrade. Uh, fantastic insight in, in, in terms of the the YCL's uh, structure and certainly the ideological principles in which you operate under. Before to move on, probably a very topical question, certainly here in Britain, and it was one one aspect that had to be explained to me several times till I, till I uh, understood it, till its full grasp, was progressive federalism. You know, here in Britain, uh, the idea of uh, independence across Scotland uh, and Wales is obviously a, a very topical issue. Uh, as you mentioned previously, uh, you know, we know people who are, you know, claiming to be socialists and whatnot, who might fall under different sides to this argument and whatnot. But wondering if you could share your thoughts or maybe explain uh, what progressive federalism uh, really means and sort of the, the reason for the idea of progressive federalism and uh, how it's more beneficial for the workers of Britain than you know, separating from each other? Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. It's obviously a, a very big, pertinent question uh, up here in Scotland. Um, you know, I think it would be fair to say that since the uh, independence referendum, during and since, uh, you know, it's been uh, a really dominant feature of the political landscape and of political debate up here in Scotland. Um, you know, I think it would also be fair to say that 
probably the the stance of the Communist Party and the YCL in terms of advocating progressive federalism is unique uh, on the 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 movements and the the parties to the left of the Labour Party. So for for the Communist Party in terms of progressive federalism, uh, you know the starting point for us is of course. Uh, that Scotland as a nation does have the right to national self-determination, that that's, you know, a matter of principle. Uh, and, you know, it's something that uh, communists have always advocated. Um, but at the same time, we also argue that the, the question of how that right to national self-determination should be exercised should also be guided by class principles. You know, what advances the ability of working people in Scotland, and to an extent, working people across Britain to challenge the power uh, of finance capital. Um, so th th those were the principles on which we, we've always um, approached this question. And, you know, it's a question that the, the Britons and Scotland's communists um, have considered, um, you know, for, for a long time. You know, we've played a very prominent role in the campaign for the creation of Scottish Parliament. Uh, but when, when we had the question of the referendum, you know, in the SNP plan outlined in their white paper for independence, you know, we were forced to conclude that that was an independence in name only. You know, key features of that white paper were that Scotland would uh, retain the pound. So that would give you um, the, the position where uh, a, probably a perpetually Tory parliament down in England or uh, what would be a Tory parliament for a significant period of time would have uh, control over monetary policy in Scotland and, you know, quite a strong veto over any progressive plans by the Scottish government. That plan was also predicated on Scotland um, entering the European Union as an independent country. And, you know, that's something that's even more strongly part of SNP plans now. And, you know, for us, that would involve the, the, the surrender of more powers than ever before to um, a foreign uh, international body. And, you know, if you look at the, the legacy of the European Union, it's, uh, you know, hardwired to neoliberalism, to attacking the rights and the living standards of working people, um, is increasingly militaristic and is also increasingly anti-democratic. You would also have the position, and again, the SNP have uh, only um, reinforced the support for this, that Scotland would have became a NATO member. So it wouldn't have been the case that it would have removed um, Scottish soldiers um, and Scottish funding from foreign wars. And there's also no guarantee that it would have removed nuclear weapons from Scotland. So, you know, we considered that uh, in that context, we, you know, we couldn't support the, the plan that was being uh, outlined by the SNP. But that certainly doesn't mean that we're, we're happy and we're content with the status quo um, in Britain. You know, Britain is obviously, you know, a capitalist country with a deeply flawed democratic model, um, not just um, at the, the level of Westminster, but in the way that power and resources and democratic accountability are distributed between the regions and nations of Britain. Uh, so in that context, we call for uh, what you've said as uh, progressive federalism. And uh, apologies for taking so long to get to the point of the question without the intro. I'm just too used to talking about uh, Scottish independence, obviously. But the idea uh, behind uh, progressive federalism is that working people um, across Britain, primarily through the British Labour movement, do have a, a very strong um, legacy of shared struggle, um, struggle for uh, progressive gains that you know we've seen uh, in the welfare state, um, and you know the, the many other things that we um, take for granted, um, but are having to defend in the present era. Uh, but also uh, a, a history of shared struggle 
for socialism. So the question for us um, is how do you best mobilise that against finance capital? And finance capital is something that's primarily organised in the city of London. So communists uh, advocate for a new constitutional settlement based on increased powers for the parliaments in Edinburgh and in Cardiff, uh, but also for much greater devolution to the uh, regions of England. Um, to have them allow them to have a much bigger say um, and and how you know democracy takes place um, in, in those parts of the country, but also to allow for a radical redistribution of wealth away from London and the southeast of England. Because you know for, for us that that's really a, a fundamental point. You know if you did have the the breakup of uh, the the British state as it exists, you know uh, what you would really end up with is a, a Break up of the British state, as it is currently advocated, we consider uh, would have a high likelihood of leading to uh, a race to the bottom between uh, the the former uh, nations, you know, uh, Wales, England, and Scotland. What you would have is these different governments uh, competing to offer capital again, capital that's organised in the city of London. Uh, you would have these uh, now separate governments competing to offer uh, the best conditions for investment. And what that means for working people is privatisation of services, low wages, and also attacks on trade union rights and other living standards. Uh, and again, capital would continue to um, be organised in London. And what would that mean for the people of Scotland? That would mean that, uh, you know, the economy would be dominated now by a force which we would have no control over, no democratic control. Whereas, you know, we, we, we consider, and again, we, we're not um, unrealistic about this. We know that there needs to be major developments in that struggle for a progressive movement, not just in Scotland, across the whole of Britain that could carry forward these demands and carry forward the, the kind of extra parliamentary movement that would be needed to achieve this. Uh, but we consider that that British Labour movement, uh, that uh, strong legacy of cooperation and you know the current reality of cooperation between uh, millions of workers and a, a growing number of workers for the first time, it's a strategy that needs to be tested and practised and uh, tested and practised and updated um, based on the results. But um, we're clear that unity always has been and always will be a strong tool for working people, not just in Scotland, but across Britain. And the, the right-wing separatism that's offered by the SNP at present is a dead end for working people. We're, we're, again, we're clear on the right of Scotland to national self-determination to conduct a, a referendum, if that's what the Scottish people wish. But and in, in the current context, I think that our priority is fighting um, firstly um, against the uh, current escalating militarism and imperialist war that we're seeing in Europe. Uh, we're also very clear about the urgent need to fight to save the planet, but also to tackle the cost of living crisis that's occurring in Britain just now. So for us, uh, pursuing Nicola Sturgeon's, we would say, right-wing plan for independence is not a fundamental priority for working people in Scotland just now and for working people in Britain. A key part of the progressive strategy uh, to beat this Tory government and to create a movement that can beat this Tory government in the immediate term, that's something that does need to be based on a strategy of progressive federalism. Fantastic answer there again, comrade. Really, really well explained uh, 
and talking about the necessity uh, for unity in itself. Uh, I think it comes down to the very fundamentals, like you said, it's w- what we've got uh, in common as workers and that what we have in common is the, the very toil and the very struggle against capitalism and, and how it exploits us. For, for me, that was one of the most uh, opening things that uh, really pushed me further over to the left, I guess you could say. It was this understanding that I've got more in common with your average working class scouser than I ever will with some tough living down at the borders, but I'm supposed to feel inclined in, uh, in unity with them because they've got a Scottish passport. That's one of the major things that, that sort of tipped me over the edge, I guess you could say. And as you says, you know, battling this, the white paper uh, of the SNP's plans and whatnot, you know, the, the determination to get back into the European Union. And as you well explained, it's, it's vast expanses of neoliberalism. It's failures to combat fascism, racism, all, all other political strives that are occurring within its so-called union been really transparent over the past few years not to mention yeah you know it's, it's ties to imperialism you know it's it's cannot survive without conflict and it thrives off it there's so many people involved within the the arms dealings across europe and indeed across the globe as well especially to uh, major imperialists such as america you know it's 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 all part of that that global trade one of the Probably more topical points recently has been again. It's we've seen the SNP fall back in itself, and it's its claims of being progressive. You know they've said they they don't want nuclear weapons in Scotland. Yet recently they've they've stated they'd be happy to temporarily hold on to them, falling back uh, on this argument, which sold a lot of people uh, who are quite rightly against war as any human should be, but they've fallen back on these promises all for what we know is going to be profit and trade and capital at the end of the day. But yeah, fantastic point and really worked into. And as you said uh, earlier about uh, the very structure of the YCL, you know, it's ideological principles with being Marxist-Leninists. One of the most frequently used keywords to describe very active Marxist-Leninist groups is always the word Stalinist. Always used by these sectarian reactionary forces and describing such strong and stable groups. How does the YCL sort of combat these forces and their attempts of historical revisionism and division, both against the former Soviet Union and uh, today with the revolutionary history uh, of the British working class. Yeah, I mean, I, I dare say I've um, I've heard the term um, a few a few times, and uh, and uh, my uh, time should have been called it um, a good few times as well. You know, I, I think it's pretty um, it's pretty tired. Um, Cold War era rhetoric, but you know it's rhetoric that you hear um, certainly both from from the right wing and the, and the monopoly media, but also you know from from uh, elements um, of the ultra left. Um, you know, for 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 my part, you know, I don't think um, Stalinist Stalinism is you know a valid phrase or a valid term. You know, I'm not not particularly sure. Um, what it's um, supposed to mean or purports to mean, uh, and I'm pretty sure if you you know you asked them. Um, the, the different collections of folk that use the phrase, um, I think they may struggle to tell you as well. Um, you know, as you say, I think, and as we as we touched on earlier, you know, there, there's been you know a massive and concerted attempt by capitalist governments, capitalist states, the media that they control, and the, and the elements of academia that they control, to you know conflate Nazi fascism and and Soviet socialism, sometimes termed Stalinism, to conflate them as totalitarianism 
And you know, you, you you've seen that as a really intensive effort. Again, something in part directed by the the EU. Uh, you know, also by the United States and the various NGOs that the the government and the CIA sponsor there. Uh, but also by our own government. You know, you see it a lot in the the curriculum, the the school curriculums, and you know, you see it a lot in the the state media through the BBC and also the private loan media. And I think it's something that's really been heightened as well by the uh, the, the conflict taking place in Ukraine. You know, the, these bizarre, you know, and, and misguided attempts to, you know, label the current Russian government socialist or communist and, and Putin as a communist, you know, ignoring the fact that these are the, the, the very people, the very vultures that played an active part in the destruction of socialism um, in, in the USSR. And, and, you know, people who are by no means um, socialists or communists. You know, for our part, the Young Communist League is, is very clear um, on the, the historical importance and the legacy of the, the USSR. You know, after the Paris Commune, it was the, the, the first place um, where, where working people achieved um, state power um, and set about constructing a new form of society. Uh, socialist society and um, you know of course uh, in the context of that that long and, and first effort there, there, there are of course lessons to be learned errors that have been made you know I, I don't think that's ever been the case in the, the, the transition um, from one form of society to another um, or in any experiment you know the, the transition from uh, feudalism to capitalism took hundreds of years across the whole planet um, and, you know, that that was um, by no means a, a seamless process. And, you know, socialism, it's an, an, a planned attempt to construct it. But, uh, of course, the, the, there are going to be errors made along the way. But despite that, what was achieved in the Soviet Union was remarkable. You had, um, you know, an economy built up and industrialization um, on a scale um, hitherto unknown in human history, you know, that only surpassed really by uh, what's happened in, in China more recently. Uh, for working people, that meant massive rises in, in living standards. For working people across the Soviet Union, that meant having access to free healthcare, housing, education uh, for the first time in their lives. It meant that. Uh, working people were guaranteed a livelihood and, and a right to work for the first time in their lives. Um, it meant for minorities and national minorities and women uh, that they were respected in society, had the same democratic rights as others and could play a full and meaningful role in society. And, you know, for, for national minorities, their, their cultures and their languages were celebrated in protected, whereas in the capitalist West uh, and, and in the colonies that were controlled by the capitalist West, uh, they were being violently suppressed and subjugated. So despite you know, the, the immense difficulties faced by the USSR, and let's talk about those difficulties, that was uh, you know, first emerging from the, the, the First World War, the Buddhist uh, War and uh, history uh, at that time, um, they uh, emer emerged from that straight into uh, a civil war in which 14 imperialist countries tried to intervene and destroy uh, Soviet socialism, as, as Winston Churchill said, uh, strangle the Bolshevik baby in its cradle. They were unsuccessful. They were only unsuccessful because of the, the superhuman efforts of the Soviet people. Uh, thereafter, the Soviet Union knew it had to uh, industrialise rapidly to protect itself 
from from the war that was coming from the fascist powers, Nazi Germany in particular. And these were fascist powers that were being encouraged and enabled by the capitalist West, the so-called democratic West. And after the Soviet Union had won that war, not only on its own behalf, but on behalf of working people uh, across the entire world, they, in a a great cost to the Soviet people, a tragic cost, they then had to prepare for the Cold War that was being launched by the newly strengthened America and its other allies and NATO and the development of nuclear weapons. But despite that, the Soviet Union continued to deliver massive social, economic and democratic gains for people, not just in the Soviet Union, but across um, Europe and the expanded socialist camp. And also uh, supported anti-imperialist movements, anti-colonial movements and then socialist revolutions all across the globe. And, you know, obviously if the, the Soviet Union, if it was a perfect state, it would still be here today. It wasn't. Um, and lessons are there to be learned for working people, for, for the, the countries that are continuing to build socialism today uh, and for communist parties that are fighting to build socialism in our countries. But, you know, what, it wasn't a country that was destroyed because people were, were crying out for capitalism. What they wanted was a better socialism. And that movement was, you know, hijacked by people like Putin and other oligarchs and vultures. And, you know, we see the results of that today. Uh, you know, the biggest peacetime drop in living standards uh, and in life expectancy in modern history. Um, and, you know, we, we also see the tragic results of that in Ukraine. You know, two, two uh, countries which were uh, sister nations in the Soviet Union, Russia and Ukraine, uh, are now fighting, you know, a, a horrific war um, in the year that we are living. And, you know, civilians are being killed. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, a, a tragic situation when you consider the shared history um, of those countries and, you know, the, the shared struggles and what had been created um, in the Soviet Union. But for, for us, in terms of uh, combating uh, that attempt to, as you say, um, obscure history, that attempt to conflate uh, Soviet socialism and, and, and Nazism, you know, in, in terms of the... The, the kind of tired attacks that you get from you know other 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 people who um, you know would consider themselves left wing you know we're really not uh, particularly interested in insular left wing and fighting you know having the same arguments and debates that have been uh, taking place uh, for decades you know we're confident about our politics and our ideology and we're also confident um, about our struggle. Um, and uh, our ability to build the struggle for socialism in Britain. Uh, you know, there are millions of young people out there who uh, are already sympathetic to socialism or who just need um, that contact um, from from young communists and, and, and that, that push to get involved in the struggle. That's where we want to be. Uh, we don't want to be talking um, to the same circles. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the more important point I would say is that we do need to combat the misinformation the historical revisionism and the distortions that are taking place in the state education system and in the monopoly media. You know, it goes without saying that the, there is a big difference, a fundamental difference between the people who built the concentration camps and the people that liberated the people who were in those concentration camps. And, you know, it's, it's sickening the extent to which the um, you know the education system in Britain and the monopoly media are prepared to try and conflate the two, 
but you know they, these are these are the tactics of their own class. And um, so there's a battle of, a battle of ideas that has to be conducted, and you know we're clear about a role in that. And you know for us the resources like Challenge, the magazine of the Uncommunist League, and the Morning Star are, are really pivotal in that battle. But of course, uh, a stronger and more visible YCL is also really fundamental in that battle of ideas. Wow, yeah, another great answer there, Cromwell. As 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 we mentioned, Stalinism is it's not got any form of ideological basis to it. You know, this it's all, like we say it's often used by those reactionaries, those those right wingers, as this this way to tarnish those who defend the achievements of the Soviet Union and as you say it's quite rightly sickening to the extent in which it's used you know this idea of tarring it with with Stalinism all all comes down to fascist propaganda first used by by Nazi Germany then uh, resurging with the likes of the CIA and other capitalist branches developing this outwards again and I think that's probably a a big thing that might put uh, somebody's not got a grasp 100% on the, the very history of, of what's happened, like you said, the, with the state's influence within the education system and what they are spoon-fed and what we've all been spoon-fed with our times in schools and whatnot. You know, we're often told that almost Britain's single-handedly done it when it's just a flat-out lie. And we've seen the, the very damaging effects of the usage of the word Stalinism and uh, that continued tarnishing of young communists and even indeed young socialists who might not be in line with a communist party but can still rightly defend the the history of the Soviet Union and its achievements and they've been been used to tarnish their their reputations and uh, almost blacklist them within the public's eye but certainly as, as you mentioned within the, the the conflict between Russia and Ukraine as, as you quite rightly said these were sister nations Ukraine especially you know infamous for the sacrifices that the people made there in combating fascism and and now with this growth of propaganda anti-communist propaganda being pushed peddled and force-fed in the throats of naive western apologists and the suffering working class uh, within ukraine are forced to flee currently you know that's it's contributing to the rise in fascism not just in in russia and ukraine but indeed eastern europe and expanding westwards you know we've got you've probably had smaller factions of this within the, the eu but those are those are rising they're rising for one reason in particular it's because the eu does not combat it it's not in their principles to combat it this class division this fight is profitable and that's a fundamental that's uh, used with this propaganda to create further divisions to distort history and to just outright lie and you made the very good point there's a clear difference between those who built the concentration camps and those who tore them down. And that's probably the most important fact for any young communist or any young person, any person indeed across the globe to remember. With that being said, when it comes to this ideological battle, these battle of ideas, it's probably one of the most debated ones between left groups uh, across the globe is the idea of utopian and scientific. You touched on previously the young communists focusing on scientific socialism. So how have you and the league as a whole employed this scientific theory and transcribed it into what's necessary as the appropriate and effective praxis? It's a, it's an interesting uh, question, certainly. And, you know, for us, there's quite a, a nice uh, local connection, you know, near uh, near Glasgow, you've got Neil Lanark, which is obviously one of the, the great utopian socialist experiments. Uh, Robert Owen, a proud part of the, the history of the movement here in Britain. You know, the, the, the difference uh, between um, utopian 
and scientific socialism is, you know, one of the one of the fundamental things for communism as an ideology. You know, the 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 way that we will build up a socialist society is not something um, that can you know pop out preformed. You know that you you've you've got the perfect plan and all you need to do is implement it from the the head of one particular genius. You know, it's it's got to be a theory, a scientific theory based on experience, based on um, observing how the, the strategies and the tactics that you're applying, how they in fact work uh, and developing and enriching that strategy and that approach based on those observations. Um, so, you know, it's, it's about not coming to it with um, preconceived notions um, of what will work and what won't, but, you know, creatively applying that strategy um, and developing your work in that way. So, you know, as, as, as young communists, you know, as, as I said, you know, one of our fundamental priorities is to educate our members, educate one another and, and young people in general on Marxism-Leninism. You know, as I said, we have a, a programme, Britain's Road to Socialism, where the party and the YCL have set out um, our approach to, to building that struggle for socialism here in Britain. And, you know, we, we work to test that theory in practice, um, you know, through applying it, um, not just at the, the national level or at the, the regional level, but at the, 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 the most local level, um, you know, where our branches are organised um, in different parts of different towns and cities. Um, and what we do is uh, we update it according to real world developments uh, and according to our analysis of how that strategy and how those tactics have worked and you know we do that regularly through uh, congresses but also you know week in week out through active debates and discussions about our work and about the political value of our work uh, in branches and in districts uh, and you know I, I think as well when uh, we engage in any political work as the YCL, you know we, we try I suppose not to be not to be too uh, high floating about it, but we do try and approach it in a scientific way. So we plan what we're going to do in advance. You know we think about what are our immediate aims with this work, with this action. Uh, what's the political objective here? Um, you know, what's the immediate outcome that we're seeking to achieve, but also what's the long-term outcome, you know, uh, how, uh, how are we planning to develop this over the longer term? And fundamentally, how do we make that happen? And once we've carried out the work, which of course always goes um, flawlessly, no, no, but, uh, uh, you know, you, you learn um, hard lessons, um, but, you, you know, with successes as well as failures, but we always critically assess the work after it's taken place. Um, you know, what went well, what didn't go well, how do we improve it in future, how do we update our strategy, taking into account um, the work that's been carried out uh, and what were the successes and what were the failures. So, you know, we, we, we would like to think that we approach um, our work, um, again, with a scientific approach, uh, with a professionalism uh, and with, you know, a determination to learn um, according to how it occurs, not just, you know, say, well, this is how it's always been done. This is how we're always going to do it uh, and knock our heads against the wall uh, and, and run ourselves into the buffers. You know, it's about taking that professional and that scientific approach to political work. Aye, absolutely, comrade. You know, the infamous saying, the revolution will not be televised. You know, you can't come into this revolutionary class struggle with these fallacies, for, for some people of, of glory or whatnot, it's it's nothing like that. It's constant struggle. Uh, I've seen it as my, my time in, uh, in the YCL and indeed out with in my, my trade union work, you know, it's it's the conditions are, 
as we're seeing in Britain, you know, they're getting worse. You know, people are really struggling under this this cost of living crisis. People in in, in my work having to take payday loans, uh, food bank collections, relying on loans from family members and that. And you know, it's it's these very conditions that we have to assess, we have to analyze to their fullest extent, and as you say, plan really plan out. You know, how do we combat this? How do we then develop it once the the work has been carried out? And like you mentioned before, in terms of the YCL doesn't that is then criticizing that work you know not pat yourself uh, on the back and go oh we'll, we'll see if it changes next time no it's about analyzing mistakes analyzing flaws and then building that so when next time comes around it's a much stronger unit and in, in the basis of your work and this idea of the utopian uh, socialism or this idea that it, it's gonna occur after just one simple act is completely false often peddled by your son Journalist, you know, they don't have this idea. Jeremy Corbyn's going to seize control of the BBC and the revolution will happen tomorrow. It's not like that at all. It never comes from just one strict swing. It always has to come from a basis of development. And that's certainly what we're seeing today. The last question I want to sort of cover on, I, I feel this is obviously, I think that's a very debated one within the left as a whole, is socialist patriotism. What is it and why do they sort of folk in the left and or your online left especially see that the very notion of working class British people being proud of their history yeah it's it certainly is a, a big topical one um, as you as you say um, I, I think um, you know maybe there's there's some uh, importation here not not just from Twitter but maybe um, debates that uh, are, are are taking place in, in the left in the United States, uh, you know, it might be the case that the, the less that we take from there, the better, but um, I'll, I'll leave that up to yourself. Um, you know, it, it certainly is, um, on a more serious note, uh, it certainly is an important debate for the left here in Britain. Um, you know, I think as we already touched on, you know, that it's got a big relevance in Scotland, given the debates on the national question that um, have been taking place, continue to take place and will continue to take place. Again, for... for um, Britain's communists uh, were, were, were very clear um, on the, the right to self-determination um, for, for, the, for the nations of Britain. And, you know, nations for, for communists are a historical fact in, in human development. You know, they've, um, they've, they've been around for uh, thousands um, of years and obviously become um, more, more formalised and taking on uh, new characteristics in recent centuries. And for, for, for communists, they've been a big, um, you know, subject of discussion and debate in terms of our strategy for uh, winning socialism and, and, and building socialism. You know, Lenin, uh, you know, really applied his mind to the, the, the question of, of nations. Obviously, the, the Soviet Union was a, a multinational country based on what had been the Russian Empire, which had subjugated various different nations. So... It is a big question um, for communists and uh, for for communists in Britain. It's got the, the, the added, you know, you, you know, the added dimension of what would does uh, patriotism or uh, you know an approach to the nation mean when you're in an imperialist country? Um, so you know, Lenin uh, correctly identified that in every nation there will be you know a, a bourgeois culture. Um, and there will be a, a working class culture, and you know, and it's the case that under capitalism, um, it's the the bourgeois culture that um, is the dominant one in the nation, um, and you know, we, we 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 see that in Scotland, we see that in Britain. You know, the the ideas of nationality are, are sometimes 
uh, are, are very often tied up with militarism um, and, you know, the right-wing and regressive aspects of British history and the British state. Um, and, you know, I, I, th I think that's one of the dangerous things um, about nationalism, both at the British level, but in the, you know, certainly here in Scotland as well, because it fosters this myth that uh, working people, just because we were born in the same country as members of the ruling class, have something fundamentally in common with them. But as communists, we are very clear that working people, be they Scottish, English or Welsh, they have nothing in common with our exploiters, nothing in common with their own class on a, a moral and intellectual or a cultural level. Um, you know, as you very correctly said, Nathan, and it's a line uh, and, and a point that I've made many a time, you know, I've got far more in common with a working class person down in Cardiff or London or Liverpool than I do with, uh, you know, some uh, Highland laird or a, a, a big farmer uh, down in the borders. Um, so, you know, nationalism, uh, bourgeois nationalism is dangerous because it fosters that myth of class collaboration. So as Lenin said, you know, nations, there's a bourgeois culture, but there's also a working class culture. And I think the task for communists, Democrats, progressives, trade unionists is to foster what is progressive and democratic and socialist in that national culture. Um, and, you know, there's certainly a lot to be proud of um, in the progressive struggles of working people, not just here in Scotland, uh, but across Britain. You know, we've got uh, the, you know, going all the way back to the, the, the diggers and the levellers um, down in England uh, during the Civil War. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's that whole shared history um, of, of the trade union movement that spans uh, decades and well over a century. And, and we've also got, uh, you know, the, all, all the contemporary examples of the progressive struggles that are taking place here today. You know, one of my um, proudest, proudest parts of Scottish history is, you know, the, the massive struggles that took place in the post-war period. Uh, you know, here in Glasgow, we've got the, the UCS working. So, you know, the, there's plenty to be proud about to be a Scot that is progressive and democratic and socialist. Uh, and, you know, I think the key, as I said, is for us to make those the dominant elements of what it means to be Scottish, of what it means to uh, have Scottish national identity, just as it is for comrades to do the same in England or in Wales. And, you know, I think it's a real mistake for uh, people to uh, fall into the, the, the trap of abandoning uh, the idea of, of patriotism or the idea of nationality to the right wing, because that is a powerful tool and it's a dangerous tool when it's uh, in the hands of the right wing or, or even fascist forces. You know, we shouldn't allow them to define what it means uh, to be Scottish or English or Welsh, you know, it, for us as a, a democratic, a multicultural and a socialist national identity. And that, for the left, can be a powerful tool. And, you know, if, if you look at countries like, you know, the, the Soviet Union previously, but, you know, countries like Cuba, China and Vietnam today, these are countries with strong socialist patriotism. So, you know, the, the, they're celebrating, as I said, that progressive past, that um, role of the nation in constructing socialism in the present, but it's also socialist patriotism that's tied up with internationalism. We're celebrating that struggle of working people across the, the world for socialism um, and, you know, the, the role that solidarity plays in that. So, you know, I, I think that um, we, we want to probably avoid some of the rabbit holes that Twitter can lead to, but we certainly can't abandon the idea of patriotism to the right wing 
and we, we have a duty um, to win that battle of ideas again that's taking place on the question of the nations of Britain. I comment, as, as you've rightly mentioned there, we'll never have anything in common with our oppressors, with exploiters, you know, we don't share any form of, of true history with them, you know, our idea of patriotism is in the acts of defiance against them. We look in Glasgow, as you've mentioned, the, the UCS working, we also had the, the Red Clyde side in England, uh, such as the YCL history, the, the mass trespass of Kinder Scout, and that's what we are proud of that's what makes us patriotic of our countries because that's what we wanted to stand for it's this defiance against the state that really solidifies us even in modern times especially in the height of all the immigration and night raids going on when we're seeing so many people storm the streets and, and fight against the state and their continued efforts to deport people from here and we saw it in Kenmuir Street we've seen it in, in Edinburgh as well and, and down in England and it's this constant fight against the state and uh, interest of capitalists it's, it really makes you proud to be from that country like you mentioned as well for, with Cuba and uh, the so, uh, former Soviet Union I mean where would they be in, in, in their fight right now if they weren't proud of their countries you know you, like you say you run into this problem of uh, fascists and right wingers taking over of, of what it means and that ultimately results in exploitation that's at the fundamentals of what keeps them in top and keeps the workers at the bottom and not to mention you know if we didn't have that idea of patriotism within the second world war i mean the spirits of those fighting from the soviet union would have been been dwindled you know this idea of you've got what nothing to fight for because of the past history of the imperialist empire of russia then it would all dwindle away but as you says you know a lot of these sort of Arguments do stem from your online left. You you might get yourself into the a Twitter rabbit hole, shouting into the void, uh, trying to explain something to somebody who doesn't want to listen. But the fundamental factor is that we're going to make our own history, and we know what's good, what's bad, and it's what we're fighting for. What makes us proud of our nations and what we want them to stand for. It's it's never going to be the case of siding with uh, imperialist history and whatnot. I suppose Scotland gets off lightly there. Uh, I think it's our comrades in England to take a slagging for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. And that's, that's an important point that I can, uh, I think, forgot to touch on. You know, we, we there, there's a big effort, I think, to rewrite um, Scottish history as if, you know, we were, you know, you, you've even heard people claim Scotland was, you know, a, a colonial victim in the same way Ireland or India was. You know, the reality was, um, you know, Scotland was, a, you know, our ruling class were willing partners in the empire and played a massive role um, in, you know, the, the subjugation and exploitation uh, of, of, you know, foreign people across uh, the whole of the planet. You know, the, there's a reason that, you know, Glasgow's got a Jamaica street, that, you know, the merchant city is so opulent. It's because it was the second city empire. Um, and, you know, I, I, think, I think that attempt to, you know, rewrite Scottish history as if, uh, you know, we were uh, joint victims with our ruling class um, rather than our ruling class, uh, you know, was a willing partner in empire and, and exploited us and the, the, the oppressed peoples of the world um, along with the, the English ruling class. You know, I, I, th I think that's quite a dangerous myth that's perpetrated. And it's also a myth that, um, you know, I think contributes to that uh, class collaboration that's behind um, quite a lot of Scottish nationalism. We, you know, it's the English that are the enemy. It's not the English that are the enemy, it's the, the ruling class, and it's a British ruling class organised in the city of London. Yeah, absolutely. The, you perfectly mentioned there the, the rewriting of history, especially in the, the context of Scotland, uh, even looking at feudal times. You know, who was it who sold Scotland off to 
to join the then English Empire. It was your lords, your Scottish lords, your noblemen who sold off the peasants because it worked in their best interest. You know, this idea of victimhood, you know, is very stemmed uh, within that idea of sort of the reactionary uh, independence front. But certainly for us combating the negatives and the argumentives for our uh, fight for patriotism is uh, a lot of that stemming from the idea of rewriting history to, to what it means. It's, and it's that very threat that we, we did mention, and it's, it's certainly used here in Scotland, and it just creates further class divisions, uh, as we've noted before. Finally, just any last talking points you might have? Anything you want to mention? I suppose my, my final point, um, keeping, it, uh, keeping it brief, which hasn't been my, my forte uh, today, but, you know, I suppose for, for anyone listening to this, you know, thinking about getting involved, getting uh, more involved in, in political work and political action, you know, capitalism uh, is a bankrupted system economically, ideologically and morally. And, you know, it's nothing to offer working people and young people in Britain uh, or, or anywhere else uh, around the world. But, you know, it's, it's not enough to come to that realisation, you know, the, the, the oft-used phrase, um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything, I think is very true. You know, it's not enough to know what you're against. You need to know what you're for. And, you know, we are clear uh, that the solution to the, 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 the crisis, the existential threat facing young people, uh, facing humanity, is socialism, is revolutionary socialism. And, you know, that that's not a struggle that can take place tomorrow or next year it's an urgent one um, because you know the reality is that the clock is ticking um, for capitalism to to poison the planet uh, to destroy it uh, but you know the, the, there's always reasons to be hopeful you know it's um, we don't have the luxury um, of despair and I think it's an exciting time to be a communist to be a member of the YCL to be a member of the communist party so you know I suppose my, my final point my call out would be for, for people who are serious about socialism you know now is the time to join the YCL and the communist party uh, now is the time to join, join that struggle and uh, you know, two for two here, but I would say I can guarantee that you won't regret it. Excellent comment, brilliant. And where can people find uh, sort of the YCL on, on social media and that? Where can we find you? So we've, we've uh, long gone are the days when I um, was managing any of the social accounts, so they're very much better than they ever <laughs> would have been during my time. Uh, but you can get all the national accounts um, at, um, at YCL Britain. And uh, you, you you also find, you know, I'm, I'm sure a branch where or, or near to wherever you are. Um, and, you know, we've also got um, Scottish uh, pages as well, which are, are very vibrant and give, um, a, a, you know, a good uh, idea uh, and regular updates on what we're getting up to um, in Scotland uh, and in, in different towns and cities. Brilliant. Well, thanks again, comrade, for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Uh, and thank you for taking time at your busy schedule. No, not at all. Pleasure's all mine. And uh, thanks for having me. Um, hope I didn't rub it on too long. And uh, very best of luck with the, the, the rest of the episodes. Well, thank you all for joining me on the first episode of Spectre. I'm looking forward to bringing more episodes out. As Johnny mentioned there, you know, you can find the YCL on social medias across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Keep up to date or even join them as well. But that's about all the time I've got for today. Looking forward to bringing out a few new episodes out in the coming weeks with some really great guests. So please, by all means, keep your eyes and ears peeled. Feel free to leave them feedback. Uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, comrades, and all the best.